0: Hi, everyone. My name is Sumble Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two Cambridge City Councilors, and this is our podcast, Women Are Here.
1: Well, welcome to this week's podcast. We have a few fun things to talk about. And if you've been following our podcast, uh, you know, you'll know that I've been suffering from a broken ankle. Uh, You never talk about it. (laughs) I know, I talk about it too much. <laughs> Alana is always like when are you out of those crutches? So yeah, I fell March sixteenth and um I could give you a date day by day, but I won't. Uh but I just um finished PT right before this and I did some walking without crutches. So I'm walking in a boot and I just showed Alana. It was very exciting. I was it was like a whole new day. I can I I really can't even
0: remember what it was like when you used to be able to walk.
1: I yeah, I've been dreaming about walking and so I'm <laughs> I hope uh, I keep progressing. I mean, so how long do they think that you're until you're like fully on your feet? It's hard to say. I mean, I, my next appointment is June 4th with the ortho and we'll see how the x-rays look. But I think, you know, it, it's by June 16th, it's going to be like three months. So that's 12 weeks. So I think my doctor was hoping that I'd be walking by mid-June. So. Okay. Well, that's coming right up. It's coming up, you know, so let's hope I can keep i'm gonna still keep one crutch because the roads as you've said are tr- atrocious
0: you know, the sidewalks are awful but you should also keep that crutch to keep people away you know like, and like <laughs> yeah. meetings and you know it's like, like you could be like a little like a weapon definitely, like, definitely. stay away from me stay i'm, I'm from dangerous me. i have this one crutch <laughs>
1: who knows what i might do yes yes so anyway that's my news of the week what about you I, you know, I just don't have any. We've had such a busy
0: week. Um, I feel like it's been a whirlwind. We've had a million events to go to, some really great ones that we're going to talk to you guys about today. Uh, So the first one was Tuesday night. We got to go see um, a panel, the author of The Color of Law. So Richard Rothstein, who wrote The Color of Law, which is, um, I'll just read, it's a Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. So it's a whole book about um, government policies that actually helped to segregate neighborhoods, cities, towns, um, and that none of it happened by accident. It was actually governmental policy. And this book was fascinating. Uh, and the, the panel and his talk was really incredible, I thought.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know... Uh- a big part of his talk in the beginning was about the history of public housing and the fact that you know the public housing of today is different from the uh, intention of public housing it was very much for middle class individuals working class individuals who are coming back um from the from world war ii uh and so forth so you know the the federal government and i forget which president it was i should know this i actually wrote a like 30 page paper in law school about the history of public housing i believe it yeah so there is a huge history and you know like alana said everything that's come uh and all the segregation that exists is because of the very much intentional federal policies that kept people of color from owning their homes from even you know applying for mortgages um, you know redlining you know literally zoning racial covenants in zoning that said you know black individuals could not um, you know buy property and live in particular areas
0: yeah one of the things that I didn't know about public housing was this that it, that was the the origin and the genesis of it and how rigorous the actual um, application process was you they, they did ho- site visit home visits to make sure that you were you know they were clean, and your part you know your home was well taken mm-hmm. care of, your kids were well taken care of. They really wanted this to be something where um, people could come and take an, an opportunity to live in public housing, but it was really for middle income. Um, but it's evolved into into what it is today, but in between there, there were some really deliberate policies about creating segregated, Um, public housing buildings right so newtown court and washington elms that are here in cambridge i had i recently discovered that one was for whites and one was for african americans which is the most shameful thing that i think i've ever heard in my life and the fact that it is a forgotten history right like we
1: why aren't we talking about this all the time yeah and you mentioned in our history books you know and i remember you know being a crs student yeah, and taking AP history, U.S. history, and I don't think any of this was covered. No, and in fact, that was his biggest takeaway. Sort of at the at the end, he they asked all of the
0: panelists, you know, what what is one thing that you would do that you want us to go out into our communities and do today? And um, the authors was make sure that history is taught properly, um, because the only way that you can create new public policy around. Writing these wrongs is understanding that we didn't get here by accident and so we can't not get here not by accident yeah wait that doesn't make any sense
1: no no i think you <laughs> you, no, no, no i get what you just said he kept yeah. saying we're, we 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 didn't get here by accident
0: so it, an accident isn't going to take us out of this exactly. place so we have to be intentional and to be intentional we have to really be intentional about teaching our high school students
1: how we got here and how we can get out Yeah. And, you know, there were then panelists. There's a how many panelists, like five panelists who uh, were. Well, one
0: of them was the moderator. So there was three panelists. Right. So there was um, Crystal Cornegay, who was the executive director of Mass Housing, Um, Dr. Atiyah Martin, um, and she's at Northeastern University and she's the uh, CEO of All Aces Incorporated. And um, David Harris, who I really loved, I actually walked out with him, and we had, like, a real heart-to-heart. Um, he's the managing director of the Charles Hamilton Houston Institute for Race Race and Justice at the Harvard Law School. Um, and he served as the founding executive director of the Fair Housing Center of Greater Boston. So these were, like, fabulous. They did a re- ABC did a really good job putting on this event. I was very impressed. And then Dante Ramos, who works for the Boston Globe, was the moderator.
1: Yeah, and there was some disagreement between panelists and the author (laughs) there was there were a lot of disagreements Mm -hmm. it got a little uncomfortable it did you know and i think this is for me personally i i want i still haven't done this but i wanted to do a google search of like all the authors who are black who have written about Mm. this history Mm -hmm. um and i think hear it from their eyes and their kind of research nothing against the author right richard um but i think it would I think it'd be a different conversation. Uh, some of the panelists talked about how they felt that it wasn't necessarily about segregation. It was about racism that mm-hmm. exists yeah. in everyday society that really impedes everything else. Um, yeah, it was a lot of, you it, know, it, it gave me a lot of things to think
0: about. Yeah, and it was interesting hearing all three of the panelists who were african Americans say over and over, like, this... The, This is about racism, and if we don't talk about racism, then we can't get to this utopia place that you're talking about we need to get to, which is the undoing of it, right? Right. We can't undo it until we fully comprehend and understand that this is about racism. They were governmental policies based on racism. And so if we aren't doing that cultural competency journey together and really understanding, then we are not going to get to a place where we can undo this.
1: And one of the things I forgot to tell you is that I had seen um I think the the woman uh, Dr Atia Atia at a different conference and she did this presentation on diversity and she's the t- big takeaway from that was she was like okay to you know the, peop- the 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 white individuals in the room I want you to look around you and see who you're friends with and be really you know make an effort to 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 meet and be friends with people of color because there's a, there's a big issue that exists in our society where we do really have a lot of segregation and we don't have, and because of segregation, you've, people have not really, people are on their, in their silos. Mm -hmm. And I think it is really important to reflect on that who your community is and always make a conscious effort to surround yourself with diverse perspectives, not just color of your skin, but, you know, people who, you know, may have a disability, people who, Mm -hmm. you know, are LGBTQ and so forth. So I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of lessons from this talk. Uh, I think they said a lot of other important things, one of which um, she said something like, you know, everyone wants to move, Black people.
0: Yes, um, Crystal Cornegay right. was saying that that um, you know that that's the the feeling is that you know you have to move somewhere white to have a good life, right? Like so, we want to create more housing in places like Newton and Brookline, and you know places that are traditionally white. And like she was, her big thing was why why can't we just invest in the areas where African Americans live? Why can't we invest in the schools and make them great? Why can't we make this investment in places where um, people live? And this this idea of this utopia, like the only place, the only way you can be happy in a community is to, to live somewhere that's white, right? Right. I, people were being super real, and I that's the thing that I really loved about the panel. And that we all need to be uncomfortable, right? As a white person, I need to consistently live in an uncomfortable place on my journey because if I am not making steps every day on this cultural competency journey journal journal journey. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing a disservice, not only to my community members, my constituents, but my family, myself, like surrounding yourself and making sure you are making those partnerships and friendships with people of color who, who have a different lens and who are going to share their stories. That's so important. And I have to say that people, white people who feel like being called a racist is a bad thing we have to that has to end everyone is racist everyone is biased everyone has things and we all need to be like really inwardly looking at those things and it's ugly work it's not and it and it can't be it can't be the people of color in our lives helping us with that work right right yeah I think preach I yeah I mean (laughs) like I said it's I I had listened to a podcast um, actually about um, CRLS, which I don't know if you heard. It was on WBUR. I I have that on my list to do. Yeah, it's really powerful. It will make you a little bit angry, maybe a lot. I don't know. Um, But one of I have to give a really big shout out to Dr. Kim Parker, who was working at CRLS up until last year, and she left. um, Yeah. Because she didn't feel supported as an African-American teacher. And um, I will credit her with this idea of, this cultural competency journey that i cannot stop thinking about that phrase it's really important what she said was everyone is on their own journey yeah um but it's not the job of people of color to to help like to be the people fueling them forward people need to be looking inward and people really need to understand where they are and 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 be doing that really hard work
1: yeah and you know there's a lot of there's a, a lot of great books on this topic too um I had a friend in college, one of my best friends, who didn't really know about any of this history. So Mm -hmm. I said, Okay, I want to give you this book. Yeah. Uh, And it's from, it's authored by Tim Wise, who talks a lot about race. He's a white guy, but he just does, of course, does a lot about (laughs) how he really, you know, says, This is, as white people, what we need to do Mm -hmm. and what we, the forgotten history we need to learn. And my friend, who's one of my best friends, I'm in her wedding in August, she was like, You know, she went to Sidwell School, which Mm -hmm. in D.C., very privileged, um, but also... That's where the
0: Obamas went. Exactly,
1: Uh yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, both her parents are surgeons, and uh, I could go on, just, you know, very, you know, privileged person, who I love, but really didn't get that history and didn't recognize that privilege, and just, uh, I gave her this book, we talked about it, and she she thanked me profusely. She was like... Thank you for just telling me about this because I just never thought about, you know, the possessive investment in, like, whiteness that our country has, you know? And it's a privilege
0: to actually not have to worry about it and not have to know about it. And Right. Yeah, I think there's lots of books. Maybe they're by white people. Maybe that makes it more palatable for people. Or yeah. Like, you know, it's easier for people to understand because... Um, that's coming from your own affinity group. But yeah, there's definitely, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, and reading a lot of blogs um, to just try to, I guess, make sure I'm still on my journey. Yeah, um, You know, one of the things we were talking about, especially when it has to do with housing is, um, and Richard brought this up the other night, the, the biggest way that you can make, you can create wealth in this country is by owning property. Yeah. And by making sure that, people of color were not able to buy property we have just ensured that they have not been able to advance in the middle class and and kind of moving up that ladder and um you know he, i think he was even saying and you know, plenty of people do this and i think the, the, i think we'll probably do it i own my own house the the reason why their kids were able to go to college is because they were able to pull money out of the, the right. equity that they have in their house so if you even like all of these things it's not just owning your house and being able to pass it on or or make sure that the next generation is cared for. It's like the educational op- opportunities of your kids. It's like generations and generations of people that are just stymied because they were not allowed to buy a house after World War II. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a lot for
1: us to really be working on here, but I uh, and even our city's programs like we just discussed, you yeah. know, we have homeownership programs and while that's great and we, you know, many cities don't have that, our homeownership programs actually have deed restrictions. So uh, what that means is you can't build equity. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, you can't pass your home down. So it sits in that program, you know, going because the whole goal is we're giving people an opportunity to not rent and instead own their homes. But there's a lot of issues I have with that program that have come up where residents, especially people of color, um who have asked hey why does why is it like that you know why can't we just own our home and build equity and then pass it down and yeah you know i can see the other point of you know we have to make sure you know people have we have that stock but i think it also goes back to building more affordable home ownership units
0: yeah one of the thing that that um atia said was you know we really need to be thinking about middle income housing and it, sh- it has to be home ownership yeah not middle income housing that's rental exactly. opportunities um one of the other things that she said that i i can't stop thinking about is she kept talking about the perverse outcomes of the wealth gap mm-hmm. and it's something that is kind of resonating with me and staying with me that there, oftentimes we are working on the symptoms of the wealth gap Many of us, especially in the nonprofit world, we're working on the symptoms, right? But where are those like Where are those root causes, and how do we get to the root causes so that we can really deal with the perverse outcomes?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's just there's so much work to be done. Isn't that overwhelming? It's really. I felt really overwhelmed um Tuesday night. Like I think
0: I was like, at the end, you looked over at me, and I was like, oh, "There's just so much to do. Like yeah. there's so much to do." And um, I was glad that we went because it the, was a lot to think about. And like I said, the, I liked the book, but the panelists, to me, were like the superstars um, Absolutely. Of, of the evening. Um, so if, the, if you're interested in reading this book, it's called The Color of Law, and it's by Richard Rothstein. So pick it up at the library. Um, I have my copy here, and I'll be returning it so it will be available.
1: And if um, you would like to read the book that I gave to my friend, oh, oh my God, her friend, her name's Alana too. I just <gasps> so <laughs> Alana. How did yeah. you just figure that <laughs> out? I was, I was <laughs> like, wait. I wanted to keep her confidence, but she doesn't. Listen. <laughs> She's a doctor. She doesn't listen. She has no time to listen to this podcast. But um, the book is White Like Me. Oh, and it's by Tim Wise. He's a uh, known as an anti-racism activist and writer. So he talks a lot about that.
0: Oh, I'm gonna pick it up too because now, now I need something else to read.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, so
0: moving on, we had, a, we had an event last night.
1: Yeah, another event.
0: Which was a panel, but it was a little bit different. It was um, held at the Cambridge Public Library uh, called Women Elected in Cambridge. And it was myself and Sumble, uh, the vice mayor, and Denise Simmons talking about what it was like to be a woman elected in Cambridge. And it was
1: an interesting evening. Yeah, I'm glad it happened. You know, thank you to the library. Yeah, for oh, my God.
0: And Maria... I just the dir- the director of the library is just so she's wonderful. She's so great. Her kids were so cute. They're so cute, and she always has like she always wearing something that I wish I was wearing. She's
1: so fashionable. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we we uh, you know it was moderated by your friend. Oh, my friend and neighbor Pam Ender's. Pam or? Ender's. Yep, she's on
0: the women's commission.
1: Yeah, I remember knocking at her door. Oh, I had funny her, enough. I think I had her vote. Oh, you definitely <laughs> did. And I was like, Can I get her second vote? <laughs> Number two? Yeah, I'm I pretty do sure that. she probably did too. <laughs> I don't know that, though. Yeah. We, um, we talked a lot about different things, and one of which was pay equity.
0: Yes. We talked about pay equity, and it was interesting to hear Counselor Simmons talk about all of her work thus far and how we've advanced um, in in advance of the July 1st pay equity law. And so you had a lot to say really cuz you're a lawyer. <laughs> you knew a lot about it. But so what there were three things that you talked about you were that you think will make a really big difference with this law. And so maybe just Yeah, sure.
1: So for those who are interested, the uh the new law goes into effect July 1st and it does a few things and most notably it makes it illegal for an employer To ask your salary before they make a job offer.
0: Which, and I I appreciated you saying that last night because I think most people don't think about this, but women are underpaid. Grossly. Grossly. So if you continue to go to your next job with your grossly underpaid salary and say that that's what you make, you're just perpetuating this whole grossly underpayment, right? So that's that's the really important part of this law.
1: Yeah. And employers, you know, they have a, you you know, you wouldn't even know that be asking you and then. i think they do it pretty slightly yeah Yeah. so this this will make it illegal so i think the more we educate um women on this Mm -hmm. the the better and everyone so the second thing it also does is right now in many workplaces you know you can be prohibited (laughs) against talking about your salary um and, you know, sometimes like you and I would be in the, like we'd be in the break room and I'd be like, hey, yeah, like
0: you're how a guy. Much, yeah, and exactly. I'm like, how much money do you make? And you say like one hundred and ten. I'm like, oh, I only make 70. And then if I go to H.R., I actually get in trouble. Yes. For talking about how much money I make.
1: Yes. OK. And so now employers cannot retaliate against you. So that's big, you know. Um, so that's happening. And the third thing that I'm really happy about is uh, the fact that now instead of bringing like a discrimination claim through mgad which is massachusetts against uh, what is it? massachusetts commission against discrimination you can d- do it. you have a private cause of action so you don't have to go through mgad which is kind of it just is a different process and so this really it shows that how important now to the state it is that we can um, have it that uh, you know you 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 have a, a a cause of action that you can pursue independently
0: yeah so okay so that comes into effect July 1st I think that's going to be big but one of the things we talked about last night is that yeah there's the gender gap between men and women but for women of color it's actually even lower so we say like every women women make 70 cents
1: 7, 77 cents on every dollar and for co- people women of color it's much lower exactly yeah so it, it, there's just so much work to be done on that respect with pay equity and um so sim has talked a little bit about the dashboard yeah i think and that's going to be important there was a question about like what about um
0: jobs that are predominantly held by women that are already you know they're, they're like social workers right yeah. so they're going to be like terribly paid right because there's just there's only women in those positions and so what how, how do we get the the gap between um, what they're being paid now and what they should be paying. Exactly.
1: Okay.
0: So um, yeah, pay equity was a big one. I was glad that that came up. Um, there were some other interesting questions that got asked last night. What were you like? What were you? Like our male mentors.
1: Oh, I know. That was. Uh, we sh- yeah. I w- yeah. It was. I think that was a tough question.
0: It was. It was kind of like it was like it was going along and it was kind of like we were being a little we were real. Stumped. And then it was like, so who are your male mentors? And we were all like
1: um (laughs) yeah so clearly yeah that was that was an okay question what else um came up we talked a little bit of
0: oh how do like women lead differently oh yeah and what does that really mean and what does that um how does that sort of manifest for us and um there were some interesting answers i thought it was it was actually nice to be up there with you guys and hearing everyone's thoughts um, but one of the things that the vice mayor said was, um, you know, we really all do our homework and we come prepared. Definitely. And um, that was, I think the, the audience was a little surprised. Yeah. Taken aback by some of the, there were some, I, there were some honest moments. I had some too, like somebody, one of the questions was, you know, what inspired you to run or, or do you ever feel self-conscious? There was yeah. like some question like, do you ever have self-doubt? And we're all like, yeah. I mean, like every day. Um, but, you know, one of the things I said was I, I had been asked to run a bunch of different times and I, you know, really never felt like I was smart enough. And when I said that last night, I think there were so many women that were like, you know, but I, you know, I think so many of us feel like that, that we're not, we're not qualified. We're not smart enough to do a job. I mean, I think there's some statistic about men
1: Getting up and just running.
0: Well, getting up and just running, but also, you know, feeling like um, I, they would go for a job where they felt like they had 20% of, of the things that they needed to actually have to get the job. And women need to have like 80 to 85% of the, yeah. the qualifications. So um, that, you know, that really is true. And it manifests itself, especially for women who are running, because it's so public. Like you aren't just going for a job interview and bombing in front of, you know, potentially three to five people as an interview panel. Like you're you're out there like putting yourself out there in front of an entire city and you could be bombing. Um, so that like to me, that was
1: uh that was a scary thing that we did. Yeah, and I think another point that Councilor Simmons made was just about the discouragement. Um I think I I experienced that when I was running. People were like, the first thing they would say to me oh wow yeah well you're young you know d- don't worry if you don't win this time oh god oh, i got that all the time um and so that was very frustrating but prove them people wrong <laughs> i know so it was funny because Councillor simmons was saying last night
0: that you know his, historically here in cambridge you didn't run for city council unless you had already been on the school committee and so the fact that i didn't run for school committee and come from school committee. There were so many people when I knocked on their door, they were like, well, why aren't you running for school committee? And it took me a really long time to figure out that it wasn't just because I was a woman and I should be running for school committee and not city council. I, you know, but that, that was typically the launching pad, right? Like, cause you would be on school committee and then you would get a base and then, then there would be an opening and you wouldn't displace somebody like you would take your shot. Um, but you know, with, with three openings, like you said last night, like anything could have happened. And, um, I I think I did have a lot of people say to me, like, don't worry if you don't run this, if you don't win this time, you should run again. And I'd be like, it's the, the election hasn't even happened. Can we have that
1: conversation after, after? Oh, i was just like, get out of my face, people. (laughs) Oh, anyway. So that was last night. Um, so it's been a busy week. We also have something fun we're doing tonight. Tonight. It's
0: Thursday. Um, we are taking a bunch of people. To go see the Ruth Bader Ginsburg
1: documentary. Yeah, we got a we bought a block of tickets, about twenty five tickets, twenty
0: five tickets, and uh, we're bringing some some ladies with us. Yeah, a lot of all women, all women. I know yeah. my son is coming, but he doesn't count. I forgive him. <laughs> um, I
1: wish Jasper could come, but she's I know. young.
0: She's so young. She, I'm, I'm still on the fence about that. It's at seven. yeah she could probably still come she was so cute last night sitting in the front row so cute she was so excited to be there and like watching her mom like up on stage and she she was really funny i got home last night and she she was wanted to talk all about it oh she wanted to tell like who said this and why did they say that and she's very invested she's very involved
1: she's so sweet (laughs) well maybe bring her tonight i
0: might um but yeah we're um i'm excited because i saw it I know. Which, I know. I'm sorry. Um, but I it was so empowering, and I think it'll be fun to bring a bunch of people who work for the city and, and some of our friends and just get together and just have this, like, big empowering girl night, because um, she's such a badass. Oh, she's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, can you... So, you'll see tonight, but her, her granddaughter is in the movie yeah. a few times, and she just graduated from law school. And so, it's just so funny to see her being like, oh, my God, Bubby. <laughs> you can't just fall asleep at the state of the union like all of my friends are tweeting at me that my my grandma is falling asleep and she's vader ginsburg's like listen we can't get up during that thing like we just sit there everyone else is bobbing up and down like a cork and you know it's i was tired it's
1: so funny i can't (laughs) wait
0: to see it i'm excited that's gonna be good we'll talk about it next week but it is playing at the kendall square theater um and memorial day is coming up so there'll be plenty of opportunities for people to go see it i can't i i really can't um say more about the movie it was she's it's a love story it's about the law there's something for everybody it's gonna be good it's gonna be good um and then also it's memorial day weekend yes weekend so there um on monday there is the memorial day event um and i'm just trying to find it
1: um there's a there's a parade. parade. Yeah, yep. it starts I think on Mont Auburn all the way kind of near Belmont almost. So it is Monday, May 28th and so
0: it starts at actually the cambridge common oh my bad <laughs> like, <laughs> um it starts at 9 30 a.m there's a parade on um, that starts at the cambridge common it proceeds through harvard square up mount auburn street to Coolidge avenue and concludes at the cambridge cemetery and um at 11 there'll be an observance and at twelve 15, there'll be an observance at the weeks bridge and charles river um and then whatever a collation is Mm. It's going to be happening at twelve thirty, um, at the VFW Mount Auburn Post uh, six eighty eight here on Avenue. Yeah, so that's um, that's the VFW on here on across from the golf course, uh, underneath like the Russell Youth Center. So I hope everyone has a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. It's the official kickoff to like almost summer, which I can't really even believe that that's Mm. almost here. Um, The weather has been so nice out the past couple days. I hope that it continues on for people into the weekend. And um, there's a lot of fun things to do this weekend. So I hope to see you all around. Yeah. We'll hopefully see you at the parade. See you at the parade. Have Um, a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.